Hi. Let me recap some stuff because this is like the final week of five, maybe six weeks. I can't remember. I can't count past four, so it really doesn't matter. Anything above four is irrelevant. Um, where we've been talking about being the head and not the tail, because that is our call as the people of God, is to be the head and not the tail. It was a promise way back in Deuteronomy 28 to the people of God that you will always be the head and not the tail. And Hebrews tells us that the new covenant is a better covenant founded on better promises. So at least the awesome stuff from the old is like the bottom line. It's like the, the worst that we get and everything that we do get kind of starts from that place. So... We looked at the whole concept of wisdom and understanding. And in order to be the head and not the tail, wisdom and understanding, that insight, that, that kingdom of God revelation into certain spheres, certain realms in society, whether that's you have insight into people's issues, whether that's you have insight into economies, into businesses, into sicknesses, um, whatever the realm, into education, um, into inventions, whatever it is. We have the Holy Spirit in us who is the creator of the entire universe. That's pretty creative. Yeah, would that be a fair call? He's pretty creative. And he lives in us and he is one with us. So has anyone ever thought to yourself, I'm really not that creative? Let me say in the nicest, most friendly possible way, you're wrong. What you just haven't discovered yet is how creative you are and where that is. Because you have insight that no one else has. And that's not just you, you, you know, that, that's all of us. Have insight that nobody else has. And then we started looking at the journey of spiritual authority. So to be the head and not the tail, we need wisdom and understanding. In the areas where we're called to be the head and not the tail, because the areas where you're called and I'm called to be the head and not the tail are, are, are kind of different. And that's okay. But then there's this thing called spiritual authority. And, and the first week we looked at that, we kind of tracked the trail more broadly of spiritual authority right through from, right from Genesis all the way through from the fall to the cross to the fact that in Jesus, we have been given authority over everything. Everything has been placed under our feet. Ephesians 1 talks about that we are seated with Christ and that all things have been placed under Christ's feet. Now, Christ's feet are part of his body. Are we Christ's body? Now, is the feet the highest or the lowest part of the body? Where I'm looking, that's low, unless we're in some kind of alternative reality somewhere. That is the lowest. So everything in creation is under the lowest part of the body. So if you feel like you're the lowest part of the body, everything's still under you too. That's good news. In other words, we have authority over our world and... We have the authority to declare and to decree what comes and goes. Now, all of this is also in the context of us being the head and not the tail. This is part of um, the unpacking we've been doing around our personal destiny. We've been doing this all year because we felt right from the start of the year that this is the year for us to step into the fullness of who we really are. You know, we don't have to just play church anymore. It's time to actually step into the fullness of who we, are, who we are and start to manifest the glory of God that has been put on every single one of us individually and all of us corporately. Last week, we looked more specifically as to how and where that applies. Where do I have, as a believer, individual authority? And we, and we had a whole list of stuff that we have over authority. Any space that we own, any property, over our families, over... Um, Actually, that's an interesting. I was just thinking, you know, in Genesis where um, God says, you know, I give you authority over every creeping thing that crawls along the ground. 
That means we've got authority over children's ministry. Oh, that was an evil look. <laughs> You're older than that though, Ali. <laughs> now, one of the things that I've heard over the last couple of weeks as I've been chatting to the odd human around is that a few of you have been actually putting some of this into practice. And you've actually been going, I've actually been taking authority in areas. And I've really just, for a moment, I, and it doesn't matter whether you feel like anything's changed or not. If you've, been, if you've done that, I just want to come out here real quick because I want to hear what you've done. Go, yes, you'd be another one, not dubbing you in at all. Come here, come here, come here. Here, Grant, here, Grant, Grant, Grant. Yeah, well, Grant, you can probably do this together, potentially. So what I'm interested in hearing is we've talked about taking authority over our space. What I want to know, firstly, what did you do? Um, I've got a funny story, actually. Sorry. I've got a funny story about creepy Should things I sit on down? the... Yeah, yeah, you gave me the mic, so... We have a short time. Okay. Speedy. <laughs> Snake came in, came in the house, told it to go away. I wasn't really kind of thinking in the name of Jesus. It disappeared anyway. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> so uh, after Tim's uh, from a couple of weeks ago talked about um, granny authority. Now, um, I don't know about you guys. Uh, sometimes you forget to do, to do some stuff and go do the things that go and have a crack at doing the things that are done on Sunday, talked about on Sunday. Um, I didn't forget, um, and sometimes you go and do stuff knowing what's going to happen. So, um, at death, um, at, at work, my desk it has my name on it, right? So that's my space. I went and um, blessed in the name of Jesus, took it, took everything that is produced on that desk and through that desk, through me, um, that is only for the kingdom, the greater good of the kingdom. I also prayed for blueprints. I prayed for creative ideas and so forth and so on. The interesting thing happened is that, my goodness, the last week and a half has just been uh, uh, pretty ordinary. Um, and this is not a real comforter, but... You poked a hornet's nest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm still smiling. And I think, for me, the thing is, is that it, it happened after I declared that. And I go, okay, someone's taking note. All right. So I've, I've got... In, there's this sniff in the air of, uh, of breakthrough. There's this sniff in the air of like a new day, a new dawn coming. So if you haven't done it, do it wherever your place may be. Uh, don't be fearful of the things that come because they're only temporary and because they, they can't do anything. Yeah, when you, when you change the spiritual authority over a place, sometimes things react. Yes. Yeah. That's good. And that's okay because we're shifting the atmosphere, baby. That's good. Thanks, Was. Okay, because Warwick told an animal story, can I too? Yes. Um, I just got rid of the bird that I had to breed maggots to feed. Glory. Absolutely. Gonski. Right. Um, moving on from that. I live in a caravan park, as some of you know, in a fixed caravan with a built-on annex and who knows who's lived in there before me. Everywhere I've lived, I've had my house blessed. I've gone through it and done it and I have no idea why it didn't enter my head to do it here. And it just went, it went. Um, and I've had trouble focusing. I go out in the morning and I sit there and I start to pray and, and read the Bible and then I think, oh, my car's really dirty. I should get up and fix that. <laughs> um, oh, look, the horse is playing over there. And before I know it, time's gone by and I've done nothing of what I plan to do. And I don't get it done during the day. The ladies' meeting last time, Elisa came round and she spent a lot of time with me we went through the whole place and put oil on all the door jams and 
prayed over them and put authority, gave me authority over the place. And in a couple of places, both of us, we got the goosebumps. So things were happening. And since then, I sit out the front in the morning. I've got my Bible on my tablet. I sit and I can pray for a whole hour. I see the horse playing and I think, it's just showing me some fun in God's creation. Get back on focus and keep talking with God. And it's just shifted everything. Even the bird that ate the maggots. Oh, your neighbour. Yeah, sure. My, my neighbour, she doesn't live there. She uses a place of storage. She comes and visits me every time she comes over. And she's a very lovely Christian, Hungarian girl. She walked in and she sat down and she said, something's different. <laughs> she just felt it. And she knew, and I told her what had happened. There we go. Woo, come on. That is cool. That is cool. So you didn't have ADD after all. You just had a whole lot of gooblies hanging around and you needed to kick their butt. Awesome. This is Grant. He's my friend. We go back a long way. Grant, this is everyone. Go. Hey, everyone. Now, why did you dob me in? I've got my own little story, if you have one for me. You talked about at school in your area during the week when yes. you were out the front. Okay, and if you've yep. got another story, tell it to oh, me. Oh, I will. <laughs> so after uh, Tim shared two weeks ago about having authority over an area, I'm a head teacher at uh, Pacific Hills. And so not only do I have a desk, but it's at a Christian school. So I'm under authority of a great Christian leader. So I know the spirits at work in amazing ways in this place. But we don't just have Christian kids. So don't be fooled by the label Christian school thing. Every kid's a Christian because it's it's certainly not true. Mm. And um, so I took authority in the spirit over my desk and my classroom. But um, I've just started to take it over uh, those I have authority over, the other teachers. Now, I haven't told them this yet. I'm getting there. I'll eventually tell them that. Like, they they respect me uh, because of the authority that's been placed on me. But the three words that came back, because I listened to Tim again... This is the one you haven't heard. I'll listen to you again on the podcast. So I listen to the podcast. And the three words that kept coming back, and not just in my teacher role, but as a father and as a husband, was bless, empower, and protect. Yeah, come on. So that's really where I'm praying into, particularly for the staff I have authority over. Whatever I'm going to do, because I tell you what, they can frustrate me because there's some things, the authority comes down to me. This hasn't been done. Why hasn't it been done? All I want to do is say, what's their fault? But that's not blessing and that's not empowering and that's not protecting. Come on. So I'm going to change that. Woo! That's awesome. Elisa. Okay, for those of you who don't know, I'm a nurse. And on Thursday night I was working in a local emergency department and we had a patient come in from a nursing home. Elderly, very, very demented patient, very violent and aggressive. And she was kicking at us with both hand, both legs and hitting us and pinching and scratching. And I'm just like, this is not on. And just prayed peace over her. Not a word of English from her. She spoke Spanish. Now, it's been about 12 years since I've been immersed in a Spanish-speaking culture and God brought back enough Spanish for me to speak with her. This was not me because I don't remember very much of it. So I was able to speak Spanish to her and settle her down. Now, her son came in and he was like, oh, so you've had to sedate her. No, we've given her nothing. Are you serious? Surely the ambulance officers gave her something. Nothing. They had given her nothing. I just prayed peace over her. We were able to do a CT scan, which her son was like, are you serious? Surely you have given her something to sedate her. We had given nothing. I just prayed the whole time and she slept. 
and allowed us to do everything that we needed to do. High five. How cool is that? Is anyone remotely encouraged by hearing any of that? Yeah. See, and that is the thing. The nature of kingdom authority is to bless, to empower, and to protect. So when we exercise authority, we bring peace. That's the nature of kingdom authority. It brings peace. It doesn't bring control and domination. It brings peace. And we change the environment in which things happen, in which decisions are made, in which people think. That's cool. So that's individual authority. So I, I wanted you to hear a, a couple of stories just to kind of encourage you in a really practical way. This is powerful. It's not just conceptual. It, it's seriously powerful. Now, today, in the few minutes I have left, <laughs> yep, um, I want to shift from individual authority to corporate authority to kind of round this, uh, round this whole series off. Because there is individual authority and there is corporate authority. So there's the individual authority given to us as believers, and then there is a corporate authority that is given to the church, which is different, which is stronger, which is higher. So what I want to do first and foremost, I want to just look for a moment um, at possibly a couple of familiar bits, but just to illustrate the power of the corporate, if you like, the power of a corporate anointing, the power of corporate agreement, um, or the power of a corporate atmosphere. And it actually works on the good side and the bad side, this whole thing of a, of a corporate anointing. So let's start, and then, in a, and then straight from there, I want to look at you know, what is the authority of the church and why does it matter? So if you happen to have your Bible, let's go to Genesis chapter 11. We'll start there and then we'll go on a little bit of a journey. So Genesis chapter 11 is the story of the Tower of Babel. It's one that many of us will be quite familiar with. But it says something seriously powerful. So it says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they founded a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, Now get this. If as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Did you catch that? Okay, this is on the bad side. Okay, this is on there. They're, they're basically building a name for themselves. They're building a, a, a tower to, to impress their name and to block God out. And God looks at that and goes, if them with one language... Speaking the same language, they've begun to do this and nothing they plan to do will be impossible. So it says, come let us go down and confuse their language so they won't understand each other. So the father knew that if they all got together with unity like that, then nothing they planned to do would be impossible. So what he had to do was make, make sure they couldn't communicate with each other so that they couldn't get in unity. Now, just as a random thought, that I'd not had until like right then, but let's see if it's actually God somewhere. Have you ever felt like the enemy attacks our communication sometimes so we can't get on the same page? You ever felt that? Yes. Where did he learn to do that? Where did he learn that stopping people from actually connecting and getting in unity through hitting their communication would be a good strategy? Can the enemy come up with anything new or does he only copy God? He can only copy. I reckon that's where he got it from. 
He saw God do that and went, oh, that worked. Maybe I'll try and use that. We have authority over that whole thing, but if we don't realize that's what's happening, then we get sucked into it. That's a whole other thing. That's a little bit of a squirrel, but you get the idea. So this is, again, the power of a corporate atmosphere, even on the bad side, is if they get together talking one language and they're united, nothing will be impossible for them. Now, Mark chapter 6. This is, again, this is a story I've spoken to many, many times. And in fact, rather than read it, I'll just tell the story. Um, This is where Jesus is in the city of Nazareth. And actually, no, I will read it. Um, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom he has been given? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? I want to suggest that would be the most natural reaction to kingdom activity right there. What's this wisdom that's been given? It's like, where do you get this stuff from? That, that's that wisdom and understanding thing we've been talking about. And what are these remarkable miracles they're performing? So there's revelation, there's power, all wrapped up in a package of love, and there is the kingdom right there. There's Jesus' ministry in revelation, power, and love. And then it, but then, it just in one simple change of verse... Verse 3, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his own relatives, in his own home. And this is the bit I wanted to get to. He could not do any miracles there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, I've said many times before, that was Jesus' worst meeting. That'd be one of our best. If we laid our hands on a few sick people and healed them, we'd be talking about that for weeks. But that was Jesus' worst meeting. (laughs) Interesting little thought. But what happened there? It wasn't just their offense. What happened because of their offense, they were over-familiar with him. There was this atmosphere of corporate unbelief. In other words, there was an agreement among the people on the negative side of unbelief. We know this guy. What the? Like, seriously? Who does he think he is? There was a corporate level of agreement around unbelief and even Jesus, the Son of God, could not perform many miracles there. Did you see how powerful this thing is? That that what we agree about together can even shut down God. Why is that so? Because he's given us authority in the earth realm. We saw that a few weeks back. Authority in the earth realm has been given to us. We get to say what comes and goes. So if we make agreement together around unbelief, that actually shuts down the power of God. Interesting. But that again is the power of the corporate atmosphere. So we want to watch what we're agreeing with, hey. And sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's insidious. Sometimes, you know, Sunday afternoon, it's hot. We can just unknowingly acquiesce to tiredness and flatness and just... And then we wonder why worship sucked. And that sounds irreverent, I know. But yeah, in comparison, I'm talking in comparison to where we could have gone. Yeah. In comparison to where we could have gone, it's like we didn't hit it. And we have weeks like that sometimes. You know, Finney said to us last week, I want to feel the fire coming this way. It's because there's a level of agreement when fire's coming this way that the fire that then comes this way from the stage is a whole lot bigger because you draw stuff out of us. 
And whether it's worship, whether it's you know, speaking and ministering, there have been times where I've actually had some really amazing plans, but I could feel the level of faith in the atmosphere was so flat. I'm like, it's not even going to go here, so I'm not even going to touch it. There are other times I've felt like, okay, it's time to address this, speak to it and get it up there. And there are other times it's like, leave it alone, it's not going to change. But what, what you do has a massive impact on what happens. How you show up has a massive impact on what happens. Now I'm on a rabbit warren, but it's a good one. Now, Psalm 133, this is one many of us will also know as well. And again, this is about the power of the corporate. It says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. There's that corporate thing. Sometimes we have enough trouble being in unity with ourselves. Um, but this is, yeah, corporately. It said, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard of Aaron, running down Aaron's beard. Now, oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. So what we're talking about here is when God's people live together in unity, there is this anointing, there is this flow of the Holy Spirit that flows from the head down, right down through the body. And there it says, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Now, this is the bit. For there, the Lord bestows, or other versions have, commands his blessing, even life forevermore. In other words, when there is unity among the people of God, we start to live under commanded blessing. We don't have to pray for it. We don't have to ask for it. God has already commanded it. That's not a bad idea, eh? So that is the power of the corporate atmosphere. And I want to suggest there is a greater measure of authority when two or three are gathered. Our individual authority is powerful, but there is a synergy that happens when, when each of our individual authorities joins together and it goes up exponentially, not just incrementally. Now, let's have a look at the authority of the church corporate. So we, we've understood that individually we have authority over demons, we have authority over sickness, we have authority over our space, we have authority where earthly powers give us authority. So if you own a business or you know, you're given a place of leadership in a business that gives you, in an organization, that gives you a level of spiritual authority that comes with that position. And what we're saying individually, use it to bless, to empower, and to protect. Yeah, and snakes, which are just of the enemy. Now, let's have a look at the authority of the church. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Again, these, a lot of this will be familiar verses. I just want to bring them together in a way that gives us a pretty clear picture in a relatively short time. So, this is in context. Jesus is talking to his disciples and saying, you know, who do the people say that I am? And I don't think it was just because he was getting feedback of, you know, do they like me? I, I think he was drawing something out here. And, um, and they say, you know, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah or other one of the prophets. And he says, but what about you? This is verse 15. Who do you say I am? And this is the one time Peter opened his mouth and out came something profound rather than in went his foot. <laughs> <laughs> and I really resonate with Peter a whole lot. But anyway, um, Jesus, um, so Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah or you are the Christ, the son of living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What, what's the it that the gates of Hades will not overcome? The church. In other words, the gates. The gates are a place of entry and a place of authority. Okay, so in, in a city, in the spirit realm, if you like, there are gates. There are places of authority in the city. 
and the authority to determine what goes through those gates is given to the church. It's the corporate. It's not the individual. Okay, it's a really, really important distinction. So the keys to the kingdom, if you like, the, the authority over the gates of hell is given to the church. It's given to the corporate body, not to the individual. Now let's jump ahead to Ephesians chapter 3 and we'll see this uh, backed up as well. And this is a verse that we've talked about a few times of late as well. Ephesians chapter 3. And I'll start at verse 7. This is Paul talking. He said, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although that I'm less than least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which this is the gospel, uh, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Now here it is. His intent was that now through the church... The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus. Now, notice he says, not through the individual to make known the manifold wisdom, but through the church. It's a corporate. So there is a corporate authority. Now, the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms are the... the um, the spiritual authorities over a city, over a nation, over a region, um, over a sphere in society that could be in education, it could be health, it could be you know, over the economy. There are spiritual forces, uh, authorities assigned to those places to make sure that the will of darkness is done. Now, I've seen some really bad things happen when individuals acting on their own try to take on those principalities and powers in the second heaven. It is really, really dumb. If I can say that in the nicest possible way, it is really dumb because you don't have authority to do that and you're going to poke a hornet's nest not that you have authority over and you're going to get stung. Okay, that authority is given to the church and to the church corporate, which starts to say, you know what, if we want to take down... So, so when, when we do take down that stuff, we start to see a mass harvest of souls. Because we shift the spiritual atmosphere in a city and all of a sudden we've completely changed the atmosphere in which people make decisions, in which people think, in which people imagine. And all of a sudden they find themselves open. They find themselves not distracted but able to engage with God. <laughs> because we've changed the spiritual atmosphere. I've watched it happen in church buildings where worship has just been hard and flat and we've gone in and we've just spent time just praying and taking authority um, over stuff you know, with the, with the people who are in leadership of that church. And then the very next week, watch what happens to worship. It goes to a whole nother level because it's like the ceiling's been lifted off and all of a sudden they just start experiencing God. I'm sure I had an unfinished thought in there somewhere, but it'll come back if it's necessary. <laughs> So there's ground-level warfare in, in the spirit. There's ground-level warfare, which is getting demons out, out of people, off people. That's the ground level. It's the individual stuff. But then there's the cosmic or the territorial level, and that authority is given to the church. So in that, we have more authority corporately than we do individually, and this is the thought that I hadn't finished. Woohoo! it came back. I so love it when that happens. How important then does that make unity among us if we're actually going to take a city? This becomes super critical. And this is not only unity among us. 
There are a whole lot of other churches that are part of the spiritual authority gateway in this city. And it requires a critical mass of a lot of us. The, the only exception to that is when God specifically says, I've given this body authority in that realm. Sometimes he does that. that that's, that's his prerogative. And people have prayed, they've fasted, you know, communities have prayed and fasted and come to a level of authority where God says, you've got it. But in basic terms, it takes the authority of the people of God corporately to bring down the principalities and powers over a city. Now, I was never born to just do church. I love doing church. I love what we do. But I want to take a city. Like, it is so possible in our lifetime. It's happened on this earth. It's happened even in Western civilization. It's had a, happened a whole lot more in South American and more third world scenarios, partly because of our um, addiction to scientific proof of everything, which creates that corporate unbelief thing. But I'm not going to die wondering, can this be done? But to do it requires the power of the corporate. It requires the anointing of the, of the corporate um, a bunch of individuals chasing their individual destiny out of connection with the body will never see a city or a nation transformed ever. It just won't happen. This is where, as I've said in previous series, the kingdom of God is a family paradigm and the church is a family business. It's not just about what each of us do individually, but what we pull together, what, how we pull together and what we bring together because that's the stuff that shifts the spiritual atmosphere over a region. Just across the other side of the road here, over the next four or five years, at least about 40,000 homes are going to be built, like just there. What do you want to do about that? I'm not saying we stop the building of the houses. I'm talking about what do we want to do? Like, so 40,000 households, let's say that there's, Anywhere between three and six people per household. That's a lot of humans. Now, we've talked before about our authority is exercised through what we declare and decree. It's through what comes out of our mouth. That's how we exercise authority. And remember, our authority is to bless, empower, and to protect, to bring peace. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So as we exercise authority, we are creating an atmosphere Incidentally, that's why um, Proverbs says, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice because they bring righteousness, peace, and joy. And everyone wants peace and joy rather than anxiety and depression. Better. Yeah, better, right? What would it look like for us to start to take a bit of spiritual ownership of these new communities that are building here, for us to start to prayer walk them, to start to bless? I remember hearing Graham Cook tell a story of he moved early into a new neighborhood and as houses were being built, now, be careful of trespassing here, but it's Graham, so he gets away with murder. Um, and he didn't kill anyone, by the way. <laughs> he talked about as new houses were being built, he would walk in while they were being built and while before you know, walls were on both sides, and he would listen for the heart of God for the people who were going to live in the house. And then he would start to write scripture verses and prophetic words on the inside of the walls. So people move in to an environment that's already been prayed in and then he just kind of hangs around the neighbourhood and just watches for what God might do and for his next opportunity. And he gets calls into someone's house who has got this really serious problem and, um, and Graham's kind of sitting there smiling. And I, I can't remember the details and I wish I could because it'd make a way better story and he tells it way better than anyone, of course, um, where he said, well, 
I feel really happy for you because I know that before you moved into the house, I came and prayed in this room. And behind that wall is written this particular scripture, which is the promise of God over your life. And they start to to pray it in and their situation and circumstances start to change. Because as we take authority, we change the atmosphere in which stuff happens. We change the atmosphere in which people think about themselves, how people think about their future, how they think about their spirituality. And we open up a doorway for the kingdom of God to come. Anyone interested? This is so much fun. So next year, we are moving into a whole new realm. We're kind of coming out of hiding a whole lot more. We're going to be in much more public space, wherever that is. But I think it's time for us to step up and to start to take authority over our city, to start to bless new housing estates as as they're built, to start to target them with the love of God. But let's start by saturating it in prayer. Let's start by changing the atmosphere in that place so they move in and go, oh my gosh, this is so peaceful, wow. And then let's watch what God does. I have so much more to say on that, but you can't bear it right now. (laughs) But I just want to sow that that, that thought and that seed, and I want us to start stewing and praying over that because I believe some of you are going to have strategies around that. Because if we are going to reach this city rather than just do church and see a few people reach, it's going to require something from us corporately, not just individually. But let me talk about individually one more time for a moment as I bring this thing in, this whole series into land. And that is when you sow into the corporate anointing and atmosphere, it actually raises your own anointing. If you think of the level of anointing like a tide, it doesn't matter how awesome a boat you are, if the tide's out, you're stuffed. <laughs> so let's pray the tide up because as you pray the tide up, your boat starts to move, baby. I thought that was a way more exciting point than the uh, reaction I got there. But hey, I'm having revival right here. If you're welcome to join me at any point, (laughs) whatever floats your boat. Boom, thank you, Dad Joke Central, right here to my right. (laughs) So let's remember, as we talk about our destinies, we talk about coming into the fullness of who we really are. It's not just about each of us individually chasing stuff. Yes, we all do that. We all have our own individual responsibility, but we also have a corporate responsibility to sow together, to sow into something together, to bring our spiritual authority together and to exercise that authority to bless, to empower and to protect our community, to to usher in peace and joy into our city. Whenever in the book of Acts, when you see the kingdom really came in a city, you see this simple statement, and there was great joy in that city. And I believe that when we first started this community, we called it Life Community Church Sydney because we didn't feel like our call was just to be an ordinary community church that just looked after a, a community. We actually feel like our call is to the city of Sydney. So this is kind of the first prototype of probably many all over the city of Sydney that are then going to come together and see our whole city impacted and see expressions of worship and faith and healing um, and community right over the whole thing. In case you were uncomfortable before, let's just get you a whole lot more uncomfortable right now. That's what you signed up for, whether you knew it or not. Congratulations, bless you. Let's stand as I make one more statement. And then if we want, we can get really drunk. Half of you missed that. Okay. (laughs) That's a good idea too. Okay. I wrote this down because I wanted to really make sure I kind of landed this with the call. 
So part of the call of this series of us becoming the head and not the tail is to really and genuinely begin to own who you are and the authority that you carry in the Spirit. For, for too long, too many of us have been walking around thinking, Darn, why does this thing keep happening or why does that hap- thing keep happening when we've actually got authority over our world to tell that thing to stop? Okay? And there's many confusing and mystery things that happen in our life and that, that's the subject of a whole other thing. But I'm going to build my life on the truth that I actually have authority, that everything has been placed under my feet because I'm seated with Christ in heavenly realms. Therefore, I get to determine what comes and goes and I get to bless, to empower, to protect everything around my zone. So it's a call for us to step up into who you are and your authority as an individual. But then as a church, for the sake of each of us, you see, if, because we're a family, what I do impacts you and what you do impacts me. So if I decide to check out, it doesn't just impact me. It impacts the whole because the, water, the tide goes out just that little bit more. We all have responsibility for the corporate tide. And this is the other call of asking us to step up in owning our part in the corporate. You're not just an individual. We are all individuals. I'm not. We are not just individuals. <laughs> what you do impacts everybody else. So let's take responsibility for our role in the corporate tide. So when you don't take responsibility for that, or you go rogue, if you like, you go out on your own, A, you lose your authority. Because a policeman that goes out on their own outside of the authority of their commanding officer, they lose their authority. They might have a whole lot of skills and they might have power in the form of a gun, but they have no authority. And authority trumps power every time. That's a whole nother message. But if we go rogue or we check out, we don't just impact ourselves. We impact the whole. So I want us to make a decision together as a community. Why don't we join hands? And for those of you that are visiting, um, bless you, welcome. Just kind of jump in for the ride and enjoy and take every bit of blessing you can. Um, we haven't got special scanners that have just signed you up to anything you don't want to sign up to. Don't worry. Or at least I don't think they're switched on today anyway. That was last week, yeah. And I want us to make some declarations in spirit over each other and over our city. So just begin just to stir up your own spirit. And whether that's praying in the spirit, whether that's just starting to to engage your Holy Spirit imagination and your kingdom imagination with the Father. And and particularly for some of you, even as we're starting to do this, the realm where you have authority and wisdom and understanding is going to be stirring for you big time right now. Let that happen. Let that stirring happen. And don't analyze whether this is actually a God realm or not if if you have understanding in an area, let him touch it. So just engage your spirit right now. Engage your faith right now. And Father, in Jesus' name, as this community, as this family called I-61, we own our individual authority in the name of Jesus. We accept that you have given us authority to trample on the enemy, that you have given us authority in the realms of our families, in the realms of our workplaces, uh, where we've been given that authority. We've been given authority over sickness. We've even been given authority over death. We own that now in the name of Jesus. And we step into our authority as a child of the living God, as a co-heir with Christ. That word co-heir, incidentally, literally means co-signatory. In other words, 
it requires your signature on the document to make it so. Not just Jesus, but it requires yours as well. It requires your agreement. So we step into that authority and we agree with you for your plans for our life. We agree with you for your plans for our city and for our nation in the name of Jesus. And God, we pray for our community around here of Rouse Hill and the whole regional area that surrounds us. And God, we speak your blessing over this city. We pray that people will prosper in this city. We pray that this would be a place where people would move to, to walk into their dreams. That, that the level of creativity that would come from this place would be off the chart because you, Holy Spirit, are the creator and you live in us. And we release that creativity around this city to be used for your glory. May people look at what happens here and go, wow, where did that come from? May they look at the miracles that happen in this city. God, may it be easy for people to get healed in this city. May it be easy for people to get breakthrough. May it be easy for people to be raised from the dead in this city, in the name of Jesus, because your kingdom has come and your will is being done. Together, Father, We take up the mantle to make disciples of all nations and not just people in them, but to make disciples of nations and to not only baptise people, but to baptise nations in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, forgive us where we've thought too small and enlarge the place of our tent. (laughs) Stretch out our tent pegs wide to the right, to the left. In Jesus' name. Let me finish by reading this. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Here's your promise. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. God, we say yes to our rising. We say yes to us um, as the sons of God becoming everything that you have created us to be. Because Romans says that the whole earth groans waiting for the revelation of the sons of God, waiting, waiting for us to step into the fullness of who we are. And in faith, we take a step forward right now together in spirit, in Jesus' name. We don't know with it fully with our natural minds what that means, but in our spirit, we just agree and we say, yes, we take a step forward in Jesus' name and we trust you to lead us and guide us. And God, again, we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in this city and this nation as it is in heaven. And everyone said, Amen.